0: What you brought me today is worth hmm, 60 portions. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Bright suns, off world travelers. I'm your host, William Ryan Key. We're here today to talk about a very, very special experience on this episode of Thank the Maker. Our trip to Galaxy's Edge, our trip
1: to Batuu, off-world, truly the most magical place on Earth. It's incredible. You know, I think our friend Nick Ganbarian from the band Bayside put it best when he said that Star Wars has an address. And it's just its just crazy, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles, 45 minutes away from Star Wars, the address. I can just drive down there and anytime I want, proven by the fact that I went to Galaxy's Edge four times this past week. It's amazing. I could live there. I want to move there. I want to get one of the little apartments in Black Spire when you're walking through. You can see that the little steps go up, and there's little little kind of apartments with like almost like laundry hanging outside, you know? It's yeah. just I want to live there.
0: Dude, if Disney really wants to cash in, they will do that. They could literally build a town and The waiting list to live there would be fucking years
1: long. For sure. If they did like a community in Anaheim, just bought an apartment complex and converted it to have like panel operated glass doors and stuff to get in and out of your apartment. How sick would that be? We're moving there.
0: Real talk. They could buy an abandoned apartment complex off of a fucking
1: service road outside of Reno and people would still move there. This is true. You know what I mean? And that might actually, that actually might be even cooler because they could, it would be like actually some isolate, you know, desolate desert community or whatever. Right. So like
0: Ryan said, we, well, I took a trip from St. Louis to Anaheim. You took a trip from LA down to Anaheim. This was my first time at Galaxy's Edge. This was your second or third?
1: I had only been once. I went in October of last year uh, for the first time. And at that time, Rise of the Resistance was not yet open, which is for those of you that are not hip to what's going on at Galaxy's Edge, there's two rides, two main attractions, and we're going to get deep into all this. But the two main attractions are Smuggler's Run, which is uh, a Millennium Falcon sort of giant video game. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a simulate, it's a flight simulator. Um, you know, that's the story is based on, on smuggling some coaxium and it's super, it's an adventure ride. And then, uh, rise of the resistance was sort of the big reveal that the big main attraction that they were working on for a year or so, even uh, after the park had opened to build. And it's just, it's crazy, but it wasn't open. Um, when I went in October, so this trip was my second and then third and then fourth And then I went again on Sunday, just on my own. So I've been five times now. Got that season pass. Yeah, annual pass holder, man. It's honestly, I did like the top tier one that has no blackout dates just for Disneyland. I didn't do the one that you can get into all the parks all over the world, basically, because that one is just straight baller status, of which I am not. But it's $80 a month that I pay, but I live 45 minutes from it. And I can literally go any day, any time. You know, if I just want to go, grab a drink at Oga's Cantina in Galaxy's Edge, I can just go do that and then come home. So if you love Disney and Star Wars, if you're as big of a nerd as me, it's 80 bucks a month is a small price to pay to be able to go any day you want of the year.
0: For real. So let's get in, uh, let's just kind of give an overview of the park as a whole. We'll get in more in depth on the rides and some things and then talk about our experiences, some things we spent way too much money on and so on. Cool. So how about you read, just the story of the planet that this is supposed to be because rather than going with an existing planet from the films or anything else disney and lucasfilm wrote a new planet and then wrote new canon content to tell the backstory of this what's the place called tell us
1: Correct. The whole thing is canon. It threads through comics and I'm sure other extended universe stuff that extended universe people would know more about than me, but just how unreal is that? How super cool is that? That we're, we're not only traveling to a place that is themed like star Wars, but you're actually traveling to a place that's in the galaxy. You know, the characters interact there. There's going to be stories of, of characters we know and love stopping on this planet. So the planet it's called Batu, and I'm just gonna read you um, quoting Wikipedia here just to uh, kind of give you the backstory on the planet because I didn't know a lot of this before I read this. So, for those of you that are interested in deep diving on Galaxy's Edge, this is where the backstory comes from. So, Batu was a temperate planet that was located on the edge of the galaxy's outer rim territories within the Trillin sector's Batu system. The planet orbited three suns, Ubat 1, Ubat 2, and Ubat 3, and was known for its many towering petrified trees with those spires becoming landmarks for settlers. The world was the location of Black Spire Outpost. Note that Black Spire Outpost is sort of the town that you exist in when you're at Galaxy's Edge. A haven for those looking to avoid attracting too much attention to themselves. Batu's market stalls were known to have all sorts of items found from all parts of the galaxy. I imagine Lando was probably playing some sabacc in the dens of Black Spire Outpost. It then does go on, if you want to check it out on wikipedia.com, it does go on to actually explain, looks like pretty much all of the injection of this world and the story of it into canon material. So you can go check it out and read. It goes all the way from Clone Wars through the First Order. So, very cool. Spoilers abound. Spoilers abound. And the market thing is definitely a huge theme of Black Spire Outpost at Galaxy's Edge.
0: Yeah, so aerial wise in terms of what you see when you walk in, the market is this... Awesome kind of like um like corridor that has kind of just tattered awnings over the top it's almost like you're walking into the streets of this town it's just it's just fucking
1: incredible you're wa- literally walking into Star Wars here. The attention to detail is absurd yeah I mean it, it, i I feel like it's the farthest they've gone that Disney's gone into creating a land at a park. It reminds me of the the market on Jeddah in Rogue One, yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's just it plays into that story of like it used to be this thriving outpost for trade. And now it's just this kind of creepy, dark, you know, got a Mos Eisley kind of vibe to it, too. You know, it's, sure. it plays into all those sort of like post-imperial. Everything is kind of just wrecked. It's it's so awesome. And note, the storyline is playing while you're there because all the cast members, which those of you who are not Disney nerds, if you work at Disney, you are a cast member, not an employee. All the cast members stay in character the whole time, no matter what, whether they're selling you a pita at Ronto's Roasters, or if they are selling you a robe at the Jedi store, or if they're, they're sweeping trash up. I mean, they're, they're all in character the whole time. And so you feel, you just feel like you're there. They greet you in character. They'll say bright suns, like Ryan said at the beginning. They have a nighttime greeting too. I couldn't find it online. It's it's something moons, bright moons or, or, or rising moons or something like that. They, of course,
0: they're in costume. They'll refer to dollars as credits instead. So they'll say 850
1: credits. Thank you, traveler. No, they refer to you as traveler. When they give you the change, it's like 12.37. You're in there. It's like, this is... Oh, I remember. I remember a, a thing, a point to prove how in character they stay. You and I, we were waiting in line to have the Disney cast member that takes photos for you that they upload to your Disney app and stuff for you to take home in front of the Falcon. They were by the way, can I interject this really quick? Because we've been debating on this Falcon or Falcon thing. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine last night who was a classically trained actor who went to Juilliard. Falcon is the way to say it. Wow. The, the L is silent, and it's actually like Falcon, like walk or talk. You don't say the L. And he wow. basically explained to me that when you learn it in, in theater, that word is Falcon. So I'm going to say it like that from now on, and if anybody wants to at me about it, you can.
0: <laughs> is that a mid-Atlantic accent thing that's a holdover
1: from – early 20th century are, are you familiar with that no i'm not but i mean it has to have something to do with classical theater or speaking or the, the english language i don't know but he he definitely was very convicted and sounded knowledgeable and it's actually falcon so yeah. but we we're waiting to take photos in front of the falcon and one of the cast members who helps everyone stay in line and stay organized asked me just about my day or whatever and i was saying something about how we had bought different color kyber crystals which we'll, we'll get into that at the shop but but she said what colors did you get?" and I kind of explained to her that I got the yellow one spoiler. I got the yellow one because I wanted it to kind of have the vibe of, of Ray's lightsaber at the end of rise of Skywalker. And she straight up was like, Hmm, I'm I'm pretty, I always heard that Ray wielded a blue lightsaber. Like as in, we're not that far along in this story yet, you know, on Batu, and they, they stay in character with it. It's crazy. That's the other interesting thing. Like you said, this experience
0: there in this place is sort of, a time capsule because it takes place mm-hmm. between episodes eight and nine. Yep. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. I guess I had heard it, but I didn't realize it until we were there.
1: And you wonder if they'll evolve that. I, I ha- you know, you got to imagine that as like the new trilogies come out mm-hmm. later, whatever those are going to be, if they'll either go back in time. Because I feel like the way the Star Wars universe is so constantly evolving and how deeply immersed they are in story at this place. And, and the fact that the rides, like rides like Smuggler's Run and stuff, it's all video driven. So they can just change it whenever they want. So right. interesting to see what they do with it. Before we talk about those rides, quick overview. You've got, like we talked about the market. That has
0: all the gift shops essentially in it. You've got First Order Cargo, which is First Order stuff. Everything's themed, so you don't walk into one gift shop and see Stormtrooper helmets next to Jedi robes. It's all kind of separate. And the park's laid out the same way because there's sort of the story about who's controlling the area. They have these games that you play on your phone in line that all work into that story. So First Order Cargo, Resistance Supply, Uh, one's outside of Rise of the Resistance, right? The other's outside of this. Big, awesome first order TIE fighter, the TIE echelon. Kylo's big, almost like Imperial shuttle style TIE that he flies. It's huge. It's like full size. Yeah. And at some point he actually comes out, stormtroopers come out and there's a performance, which we didn't get to see. There's uh, the creature stall, which is a lot of like little kid stuff, um, stuffed animals and things. And actually a little animatronic, uh, what's the cat from the cartoons? Somebody correct us. We're sorry. <sighs> point being, in a cage, there's a little animatronic cat that's sleeping with one of the toys. There's Toydarian Toymaker, throwback to um, the prequels for the Toydarian species right there. Jewels of Bith, little trinkets and things. And then Black Spire Outfitters, which is a lot of costumes where I bought a Jedi tunic, a Jedi belt. You got a robe and a belt as well, right?
1: I got a robe and a belt and like a shawl, sort of a Kylo Ren style. It's not Kylo Ren official costume, but it's like I was actually thinking, you know, if we end up going full nerd at Star Wars Celebration or something this summer, like I'm not going to be able to wear outside the full robe because it's (laughs) going to be a thousand degrees in Southern California. So it's kind of a cool like hood shawl thing that you can throw on top of the rest of your costume. So that shop is the one I was going to say also it should be noted that almost, if not all of the merchandise in the market in galaxy's edge is exclusive to galaxy's edge. Yeah. So they've tried to keep like the real, I don't know, like for example, the baby Yoda stuff, the child, you can't buy one of those in Galaxy's Edge. They, they move those carts right to the edge, like right, 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 very far out because they want it to feel exclusive to Black Spire Outpost. They want it to feel like you're just in this market where you can only get and it. And it does. The merch feels very different. It's not like Star Traders out in Tomorrowland right. where you can buy Star Wars t-shirts and Star Wars hats and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. I was hoping it would be that. And the fact that it was just kept me that much more immersed. Yeah. It's amazing how, how much you just want to walk through the market over and over and over yeah. again. If you could just pass through it all day and, and it feel it's so immersive that it doesn't feel repetitive or like, Oh, I've already seen this. It's funny when I was trying to work out the schedule of the trip
0: and buying tickets, the friend that I stayed with was like, yeah, you should get the park hopper pass and this and that. I was like, no, no, no I'm good. It's like, Oh, well, I mean, it's not very big at galaxy's edge. So you might want to go over to California adventure or whatever. And I was like, no, dude, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm just going to stand there and look at shit and walk around and I still won't have enough time to experience it, which is exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. There's also a handful of kind of like food vendors. You've got, of course, the milk stand with the blue and green milk, which is essentially like melted sorbet.
1: Yeah. It's It's kind of half icy, half ice creamy sugar drink. Yeah. It it doesn't really have a milk consistency. It has more of an icy consistency. But it looks like blue milk. It works. I was sold. I bought it. Everyone in Black Spire has one in their hand, so right. they're selling the shit out of that sugar water. Ronto Roasters
0: is this big, giant, again, like movie quality prop fire pit with this big, who knows what species of animal on a rotisserie just rotating there. And there's a droid like <laughs> turning the thing. And it's, it's essentially just like a snack bar, but they've got this big, amazing prop there.
1: How did your vegan vegetarian ass feel about the giant animal on a spit? (laughs) If it was dripping with blood and shit, I would have had a time with it, but it was fine. But there's like enslaved droids just spinning the spit the whole time.
0: I think they probably nixed the dripping blood and fat situation for kids and inadvertently for me.
1: Yeah, that would have been a little extreme. Did you notice the little, um, in that dining area where Ronto's Roasters is, the little cage over in the corner that has like all the tools and weapons and stuff in it? No. It's sick. And I, I hadn't noticed it either. And I on Sunday, I was there and I went over and kind of just looked at it. I'm sure there's a ton of little Easter eggs in there as well. Because yeah. that's a thing too, man, about being there is the Easter eggs everywhere. Every ride, every store, it, there's something in there that if you want to... I saw I saw Nick posted the other day, he was walking out of smugglers run and i guess this is a thing he was like oh saw a uh porg nest that i hadn't seen yet oh, i guess there's porg nests all over yeah. the park
0: i mean it's just awesome it's gonna be fun to have him back on at some point and get all of the little details which i'm sure he ha- he has everything that we've experienced times 10 from all the time he spent there yes there's a cantina as one would expect as well not the most isolated cantina because we're not in most isolated, but it's called oga's cantina and it's very much that theme. Behind the bar, you see the same kind of things that look like they're made out of IG droid heads. You know, those kind of like, uh, I guess they're supposed to be canisters that the drinks are poured from. And the the poles on the, you know, the beer tap poles, what do you call them? The tap handles?
1: There you go. Yeah, taps. The taps.
0: Those are at the bottom of those. They're all themed, whether it's a lightsaber hilt or a Tusken Raider staff or just a spare part of something. it's all, The whole thing's themed. There's a droid DJ who is the droid from Star Tours. Yeah, I think it's the same droid. If you follow us on Instagram, you, you I assume you saw the Emo Night Batuu post with that droid. <laughs> He's talking to the crowd the whole time. He's playing all the hits. He, of course, plays the, the Cantina Band song and all that shit. It's just fucking amazing. It's a little pricey there.
1: It is. That's the only bummer is you want to go in there, especially as an adult nerd. You want to go in there 10 times while you're there and have a drink. but. I get it. It's Disney, but sometimes it's like, come on, man. Just, right. It's a bummer because you can't spend, you know, a day hitting the cantina for like a cold beer every few hours or whatever right. without spending a hundred dollars over the, over the course of the right. day on drinks. It's uh DJ R3X. There you go. That's the droid's name. <laughs> He's got a good vibe. He knows how to read a crowd.
0: So that place is dope, but it is tough to get into. You have to make a reservation ahead of time. If you're going to have a party of more than like two, you really have to make a reservation ahead of time as much as six weeks out. I think that's the max. We happen to get in a couple of times just booking individual reservations that lined up well enough, but it's tough still.
1: I had an interesting experience on Sunday where um, I was go- I was going on Sunday. So on Saturday afternoon, evening, I was trying to make reservations and there were none available even for a party of one or two. And then... I woke up on Sunday, the, the day I was going to the park, and just they were open all day. Well, wow. I was able to make like four different reservations to go to the cantina, of which I used all four. But that place is just a vibe, man. I mean, it, it's really yeah. one of the things that sets it apart. You know, you you can't buy alcohol in Disneyland anywhere. I'm not condoning go to Disneyland and get hammered, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool new twist on the experience, and it gives Galaxy's Edge, I think, a more authentic feel because of that whole scum and villainy vibe that you want there, that this place is run down and that it used to be this thriving outpost. And now it's, a it's just hidden in, in the corner and where people hide away from their troubles and smuggle and do deals, you know, and gamble, or whatever. So I think having the bar really helps with the aesthetic, not just giving you a place as an adult at Disneyland to enjoy your experience a little more, to be able to, like I said, just stop in and have a cold beer. So I really enjoyed every time I've been, I mean, that's the thing. And like I said, being an annual pass holder, that's honestly like a thing people are doing very regularly is just going at like seven or 8 PM to Disneyland when it's kind of clearing out. It's not as busy and just going in and having a drink at the cantina just to get a little star Wars vibe in your life. And how, how unreal is that again? Star Wars has an address. Dude. I said
0: this a couple of times while we were there and I stand by this. I really think if Disney put a cantina like that in a dozen major cities around the country or the world, that shit would be packed all the time and wouldn't even remotely take away from the land and world traffic. Just a cantina, like Hard Rock Cafe or Planet Hollywood was, you know?
1: Right, people would not not buy tickets to go to Disneyland and experience Galaxy's Edge just because they could hit the cantina anywhere else. And I would say maybe on a lower scale, even just at Downtown Disney or Disney Springs in Florida, if it was just that, if they just added a bar restaurant that was completely themed, you know, that's a great idea. Do it, Disney. What is almost as cool, but without
0: sort of the nightlife vibe, is the Docking Bay 7 food and cargo, almost like cafeteria. It feels very much like you're in a cafeteria in like a spaceport, and you walk up in a line, you have your tray and whatnot, and there's a bunch of seating. It's not really very full ever. There's plenty of seating. There's patio stuff as well. So a few times we would go, Toronto Roasters get, those wraps and just kind of chill there and it feels like like you mentioned and brought up the fact that it would actually suck to live in the star wars universe but it's like you're off your shift from like loading cargo ships and you're just having lunch right there with a bunch of other people it's a vibe too It's same thing
1: well i love in there how some of the seating is separated out inside of like old shipping crates you know like yeah. old kind of like cargo containers and stuff and the attention to detail they have there's a soundtrack playing everywhere at all mm-hmm. times in there, the music they're playing is kind of got like this grindy, sort of creepy, industrial. Like you're in you're in this shipping container kind of place, and all the cast members are totally in character behind the counter serving you the food. Mm-hmm. You know, they call out "traveler" and your name and stuff. And that's a big thing is, is the traveler. Obviously, they call everyone who's there to them is is from. They ask you where you're from, off world. Yeah. A few times I ran into this experience where they'd be like, where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, here, you know, close by. And they're like, you live in Blackspire, or you live on Batu? They do not break character.
0: Even when they're telling you, I think I was looking for like a belt bag, like a fanny pack or something. And I was like, are there other shops here that maybe have them or anything else you could direct me to? And she's like, well, there is a so-and-so at, you know, whatever outfitters. But I think that's all anything else you might have to find off world, yeah. you know, like very serious matter of fact. So good. So that, I mean, that's a little tip with the docking bay seven thing. If you want to sit and chill and have a vibe, but the cantina's booked, just go chill there. It's easy to walk in and out. You can bring food from other places and it's a killer vibe.
1: The food at Ronto roasters is cheaper than the food at the docking bay. The food at docking bay is impressively good though. I, I finally ate there on Sunday and it was, it's really good. Coolest thing. I got like the spare ribs thing, and I can't remember the creature that they say that the spare ribs are from, you know. But with that meal, you get a um, blueberry cornbread muffin. And I didn't realize when that was on the menu why it was what it was. But when you get it on the plate, it looks exactly like – Oh, Ray's little thing? Ray's little thing that she made out of her one-quarter portion. (laughs) Oh, that's It, It looks just like it. And it's like that's imagineering, man. Someone came in and was like, okay, I've thought of a bunch of different ideas, but look at this, <laughs> you know, it looks just like it. And everyone's mind was blown. So it was really tasty too. But as Adam said, if grabbing a, um, a pita or wrap or whatever, at Ronto Roasters is half the price of a full meal at Talking Bay, but you can still go in and experience the vibe of it all day and just just chill there to eat. And lastly,
0: with the sort of little gift shops, there's a place called Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities, which
1: is... Some smaller trinket things as well, but really cool. Doc Ondor's Den of Antiquities was in, is, in my opinion, the coolest shop. And I want to, by the way, also take this opportunity to throw back to the Rise of Skywalker episode. This is something I have thought like, oh, this is what's cool about podcasts. You can admit when you're wrong. You can make corrections. You can get called out online and, and respond. So in Doc Ondor's, one of the coolest things you can get are holocrons, Sith and Jedi holocrons. So they sell kyber crystals, the same kyber crystals that will go in your lightsabers, which we will get into the custom lightsaber build, which is arguably the coolest thing that they do at Galaxy's Edge. But you can replace the kyber crystal in your lightsaber hilt to change the color. And when you change the kyber crystal in the lightsaber, it actually like changes the sound. The fire up and shutdown sound is different for every color. It's wild. But the same thing happens with the holocrons. You put a different thing in and it gives you like a different message. I, I, I'm pretty sure it like changes it up if you change it. And so for those of you that don't know, holocrons are basically little hard drives. They're Sith ones and Jedi ones, and they use them to like store secret messages and maps and missions and stuff like that. So I had a big gripe with Rise of Skywalker about the Indiana Jones chasing the artifacts thing. And I think I said somewhere like movie was great, wayfinders aside kind of thing, right? Because in the movie, they called it a Sith wayfinder. Well, I have since learned it's not a Sith Wayfinder, it's a Sith Holocron, and it's been in canon for many, 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 many years. So now I am way less bothered by it being in The Rise of Skywalker. It's part of the film because it's, they've been a place where maps to Exegol and things like that would be stored for years. So I'm correcting myself to those of you who are like Extended Universe fans and were like, you fucking idiot. Uh, but I still, by the way, have a different gripe now in that why did they change the name to call it a Wayfinder if everybody already knew it was called a Holocron? Right, If it was already in canon as a Holocron, why did they call it a Wayfinder? But nonetheless, the same artifact that Kylo Ren finds at the beginning of the film, you can just go buy one at the Den of Antiquities, and it is so cool. And another cool little tidbit, in the Den of Antiquities, you can buy um, different color kyber crystals, as I've said. They come in these cool little cases where they look like they're plastic, but they look kind of metal and they the top like twists off and the crystal comes out, but they're shielded. Like the plastic tube is like shielded with the color that you're buying. And I guess what they've done recently is for every 100 red kyber crystals you can buy there one is black there's a black kyber crystal in the red casing and so it's like winning i mean you have to buy a hundred of them on in the hopes that one is going to be and they're 15 bucks a pop so ballers unite but the black one if you put it in your lightsaber i guess the rgb led thing does this crazy thing like this crazy swirly evil sith color scheme thing when you put it in. But if you put it in the holocron, in the Sith Holocron, it like gives you, I think they said Snoke, right? Someone told us that. Something like that. Yeah. You get like a, a special message comes out of the Holocron from Snoke. Something like that. Can't quote me on being exactly right. But either way, it's like super Easter egg, super cool. And I tell you what, I heard multiple guests at the park just eavesdropping on people's conversation because that's kind of a fun thing to do there too It's just everyone is having so much fun so listening to what everybody's talking about and what everybody's stoked on multiple people were like i bought i bought five of them and i didn't get a black one or they're (laughs) sold out they were eventually while we were there they sold out of red kyber crystals and everybody was so bummed because you couldn't get the black one so if anybody scored a black one so far congratulations and uh good luck on that ebay
0: may the force be with you on that (laughs)
1: So anyways, um, Doc Gondors is really cool. The amount of stuff in there, you know, Adam, I think you were like taking video of all the stuff on the the top because you can literally go back and sort of take pictures of everything in there. You can go back and dissect like what's what and it's all in universe. It's all in universe.
0: It's just crawling with Easter eggs. Yeah. This segues nicely into the lightsaber build experience at Savvy's workshop. (laughs) Hey, everybody. I just wanted to pause here for a second and let you know that the next segment includes major spoilers for the Savvy's Workshop custom lightsaber build experience at Galaxy's Edge. So if you have any interest in doing this experience at Galaxy's Edge, skip ahead now to 34 minutes and eight seconds and pick up from there. Trust me, it's better to skip the spoilers and go in cold. Please (laughs) skip ahead. So Savvy's. Hand-built lightsabers is what you'll see if you're looking through the website for the experience stuff in hopes of signing up ahead of time and getting a slot because that's exactly what you have to do. You have to put a credit card in because it's a $200 experience and product, ultimately. I did this. You had done it your first time, right? Yes. My friend, Matt, who came with us as well, he did his and we staggered it so we could record video and shoot pictures of each other having this experience because I knew it was going to be super emotional and I'm, I'm glad we did. It's not just walking up to like a bin of parts and putting it together. This is a really theatrical, almost kind of scripted, yet personalized experience where we've got the gatherers and they're sort of your hosts as you go through the process of choosing your parts and then building your lightsaber. So everyone's around this wide kind of a oval table. It's like a workshop, you know, it's, it's really dimly lit. It's really good vibe. You choose the
1: theme ahead of time. There's four themes. The options are peace and justice, uh, which is classic Jedi, power and control, which is Sith, elemental nature, which embodies basic force, it's like core, just nature and elemental, the force. It
0: almost looks like a lightsaber that a Wookiee would carry. It's got some wood pieces on it. It's got a pommel, which is the bottom part. That's like a, a tooth of like a bantha or something like that.
1: And then sort of an Old Republic style um, protection and defense yeah hilt materials bear mysterious motifs and inscriptions that reconnect users with ancient wellspring of the force old republic yes yeah
0: so you've got these four themes you pick one and then they bring you out a tray at your station that has different options for each part of the lightsaber the emitter the pommel the switch and then two other pieces in the middle of the handle i want to say there's like two options for each piece there might be three for one of the others and you can tell from just a look of them, like kind of what era they're from. And it's pretty sweet. I went with the peace and Justice. You did the same thing for us, classic Star Wars. But our sabers look nothing alike, which is super cool. Because of those few options. And not only do you have different options for each piece, but a couple of them don't have to be in the exact same spot. They could be towards the top. They could be kind of towards the bottom. So they give you plenty of time to assemble, disassemble, and try different things and find something that you really like or that you really connect to. But before you get into these parts, the gatherers bring around this thing that looks like it's a big canister kind of. Yeah, It almost reminds me of like a rusted version of the thing from the He-Man movie in the 80s with Dolph
1: Lundgren. They call him the synthesizer. Right. (laughs) But it's got uh, crystals in it. So they come around. And I don't know how close you were standing to it, but they pull that thing out of this like giant unit that gives the vibe like it's designed to contain the energy of the crystals. You know, yeah. they look like, I'm trying to think of like a fuel cell from some movie I'm remembering where you like- Like Back you, to the
0: Future when he pulls out the plutonium?
1: Yes, that. They look exactly like that. And so they reach down to this case and they twist the handle and pull it out just like he pulls it out of the DeLorean and, and, and they're all lit up inside of it. You know, it, it's so sick. And there's a score going the whole
0: time, which is timed to what they're saying. So in the emotional moments- Perfectly timed. Yeah, when they talk about the different colors of crystal and they talk about the Jedi or the Force users that have used them in the past, the lighting changes, when they reference Obi-Wan and Anakin and Jedi of the past, you hear the Force theme come in. When they talk about the red crystal, you hear that dark side kind of vibe come in. Like, I'm getting goosebumps right now just recounting this. And in the moment, it was just like tears piling up, levee about to break the whole time. So you do the whole thing. You put the crystal in. And it doesn't actually ignite until you get the blade in, which is towards the end. They'll have you test it. You flip the switch and it sort of misfires because like Ryan said, all the sounds and everything are very intelligently programmed. So it's not like you just put it in, and you turn the damn thing on. It's like, if there's no blade in there, it goes okay. and it like misfires. It has this little short circuit kind of sound, I guess. So finally you get the thing built. They make sure you got everything assembled well. They say, good choice. Or they ask you why or this or that. They're interacting the whole time. Once you get it set, they grab the hilt and they lock it into
1: the table where the blade is. They make this cool joke about everybody has to step back because something about the power being contained and how long it's been since they've had their last explosion in in the shop. Like the last one I went to um, on Sunday, I was in there watching a build and um, they were like, how long has it been? And the other cast member was like, um... 20, 20 minutes. And she was like, Oh, so right before they came in here and they're like, I'm sure we'll be fine. That's awesome. Because
0: there's like this sort of half cylinder across the table coming from where you stand towards the middle that has the blade in it. And they lock the hilt into there. Everybody stands back. And then all at once they have you move forward. You grab the hilt, fire up the lightsaber. You see it light up in the table. And then this cylinder rotates open and there it is. Everyone lifts theirs up. Everyone's smiling, crying, the whole thing. The music's just like coming to a crescendo. It's an
1: emotional crescendo. It's fucking awesome. Then they have everyone hold it up. Then the lights go green and she goes, what's happening? And he goes, chosen wisely you have. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah. And then you cry.
0: <laughs> and then and you really start crying if you're not already. It's just fucking beautiful. Then as you walk out, they give you a sort of a case that you can throw over your shoulder to carry it around. All these adults are just like little kids walking around, smiling, swinging their lightsaber, and it's the most magical
1: shit ever. I was very impressed by the, I had never held a custom lightsaber, which is obviously a big deal, obviously for fans who cosplay and just want one in their house to display or, you know, I'd never really held one before. So when I did it last year in October, I was so impressed by the weight of it, like the, the sturdiness of it. It just feels like you could throw it against a brick wall and it would survive it. It's so heavy duty, which I would hope for $200, that's what you get. but Right, it's super legit. Watching you do the experience was like... I don't have kids. I don't really think that's going to be a part of my life. But I felt like watching you do it was like I was proud watching my my son go through this experience because I had already yeah. done it, you know. Yeah. So I knew what to expect, and I was like watching you, knowing that you're you were about to lose your shit and like be just a grown man in there crying with a bunch of twelve year olds building lightsabers. <laughs> you know, it was so awesome. Yeah. Side note: I was on Sunday. I was in there uh, with a friend who was building one, and. I noticed, and this was funny, there were like probably six little kids in there, little dudes in there. And they were all from age, you know, like eight to 12 probably. And every (laughs) one of them picked power control and like did the Sith one. It's so funny. You know what?
0: Something just hit me. I don't know if you've watched The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. I have not. They do an episode about He-Man and how that character was written essentially around a toy and the I have the power thing. He-Man's kind of tagline as he turns from Prince Adam to He-Man. They wrote that because they did all this market research and realized that's what kids want. They want power and control because they're under their (laughs) parents' rule all the time. Right, So that fully checks out that kids want
1: want to go dark side and control. There was one little kid in there on Sunday that had a sick head-to-toe Kylo Ren costume, leather gloves and everything on. Damn. But interesting enough, he built the power and control hilt, but he chose— do they call it lavender or purple? The purple one, the Mace Windu. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what color they call it in the experience, but he picked that. He picked the purple. I was like, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe there's still good in you. Maybe you're just a bad motherfucker. So Adam finishes his build and we, we get out there and the first day you just finish it and we like took the lightsabers out and stored them. We just kind of put them away so we could spend the rest of the day at the park. But the next day... We weren't even supposed to go or I wasn't supposed to go. We went to record an episode of of the podcast um with our friend Nick who lives down there. So we went to do that and I was supposed to come back up to LA to go to work, but the traffic was really shitty and it was just like I'm not we're not gonna get any work in the studio done anyway. So tough life. Let's go back to Galaxy's Edge. So I went back with you, but brought my lightsaber this time. And we it was just dude. <laughs> We just ran around like little kids all day. I know, dude. And I all the photos I like I've posted some photos if you guys want to check them out at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram. Like I've posted some photos of us. But I'm looking at them just going, like, man, how awesome that we've started this project and truly reinvigorated our love for this in, in such a physical way, like of such a physical manifestation of the love for it. Because after you had a lightsaber and I had a lightsaber, and we are immersed fully in a physical world of star wars we were just running around for probably like two hours posing and taking photos. just the biggest dorks you could imagine and we were so happy what about this spot over here oh okay i'll stand like this okay turn yeah yeah like uh, like
0: more more intense face
1: Uh, uh, action pose and figuring out like which positions and like which battle stances and like which (laughs) yeah just like but we were having it was sheer happiness the most childlike unfiltered happiness so i honestly i think I know it's expensive, so it's, it's not, unfortunately, accessible to like everyone, but you're already at Disneyland, so what the hell? It's, if you're already there, just go for it, but I think I just mostly recommend doing the lightsaber build. It's the most immersive yeah. experience at Galaxy's Edge.
0: Absolutely. That's not to say that the rides aren't incredible and immersive, which they are, so let's talk about that. So the big ride that opened in both parks right away when they both opened is... Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, which is essentially, like we said before, a giant video game. You're in the cockpit of the Falcon. You get to pilot it. You get to do the guns. It's a six-person crew. It's fucking incredible.
1: It's unreal. It's super immersive. I guess my gripe would be that, so it's six people per mission, two pilots, two gunners, two engineers. I've done it both ways, and it is way more fun when you're with a group of six people. I mean, yeah, like a a couple of times, you know, you're on the ride with no offense, kids. I want you to have fun, but I'm 40 years old and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Aim, fire, brakes, steer. Keep your eye on the ball, kid. Exactly. So you get on it with like uh, as an adult, you know, you could get on it with an, an eight year old kid who's not your kid. And you know, it's like, it's not as good. It's just not as good. Yeah. We got lucky though. We, at least we were pilots or friends of ours were pilots. We never had like an eight year old in the pilot seat. Right. That's true. We really did get lucky just where we were placed in line to get to the front and be pi- and the two at least two of us be pilots every single time because it's completely luck of the draw. You can try to be like, oh, yeah, we got to count this many people and we got to be this distance back. And I'm sure there are more regular attendees than us that have it really figured out. But there's kind of two holding areas. I guess we should go back and talk. So like, yeah. waiting in line is incredible.
0: Yeah. It's a long, winding, multi-level line. That takes you, number one, behind the falcon. So you're actually seeing the thing itself. And then you get into this like mechanic shop for spaceships, essentially. And there's over the intercom, mechanics and people talking. They're firing up engines. They're failing. There's all this shit going on. So you're not just straight waiting in line like you're at Six Flags or some shit. It's really just eye candy everywhere. And there's also an interactive thing in the Disney Play app where you can scan these like cargo containers. You can... So do all this really fun stuff. They went
1: all out. And then you get into this boarding area, which is... Well, yeah, you get to the boarding area, which is sort of the first... Uh, as a lot of rides in, these, in amusement parks do, there's kind of like a, a mass holding area. That's sort of almost the end of the line where they kind of like stall traffic for a minute, but it's a little more immersive. So at that point, you're moving into this room where Hondo Anaka is the guy's name. He kind of, he owns the company and he's basically got a mission for you to run. And he explains to you that he needs pilots. To fly it, gunners to protect the cargo, and engineers to fix the Falcon as you go through the journey. So you you watch this, the animatronics are unbelievable, Chewie makes a, an appearance. Yeah, and this dude's a full life-size animatronic figure, too. Yeah, and Chewie shows up at one point because the storyline is that Chewie is letting hondo borrow the falcon for the mission it's it's rad it's got that kind of theme too of star wars tech you know so Chewie shows up but he's on like a 1985 tube television it's just it's killer you know and then and then you go into a more focused line which is where you really have to start counting heads because if you want to be at the front and be a pilot you have to be the first two through and they hand you a boarding card with your job on the card but you get
0: those boarding cards in like the common area of the Falcon. So when you walk past this one thing, you're walking essentially into the hallways. I don't know how they're trying to sell it as if you're coming through like- It's like a jetway.
1: A jetway, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: that makes sense. It's like a jetway at the
1: airport and you're boarding the ship. And then once
0: you're in there, they're handing out these boarding cards for the different positions. And I honestly, I could have waited there another hour (laughs) like in that (laughs) holding area because it's the common area in the Falcon. You see the Dejaric chess table, the area that has like the kind of beds and stuff. I think we posted a picture of the drawer where Ray stashes the the Jedi
1: texts. I feel like that was a miss that they could have had the 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 texts in there like not movable. So you can't take them out, but that so that you could have opened and closed the drawer. But yeah. the drawer is there nonetheless. It's super cool. And there's like tools laying around everywhere. And the amount of detail that went into like the, the walls and the the circuit boards and all this stuff. It's just it's crazy. They have kind of a miniaturized version of the uh, whatever station that is where in A New Hope where you kind of the first scene where they're all hanging in that area mm-hmm. is where Hans is down and, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff that scene yeah, yeah. um, that there's kind of a miniaturized version of that across from the jar table. And yeah, it's, I, I agree. I, we could have just sat there at, at the chess table and had a couple drinks and just right. relaxed for a while. Sometimes you're in there and you're like looking around and you've been on it five or six times and you're still looking around like, wow, look at this, look at that, check that out. And they're like red group. And you're like, damn it. No, hold on. No, no, one, one, more, one more picture. Yeah.
0: So they board you. You go through the hallways, those really sweet, distinctive Millennium Falcon hallways. You know, they're tubular and they've got kind of those bumpers, I guess they are. What's that meant to be? Like when you're rolling around in space, the kind of like padded walls almost? The walls in the Falcon inside yeah. of it. Yeah, spot on. And then you get into the final hallway, which leads into the cockpit. You get in your little spots. They're marked on the floor. Pilot, pilot, gunner, gunner, engineer, engineer. Then you get another final little message on a an old school panel with a TV kind of thing from Hondo. And then you get in the cockpit. They open the door. The door slides the whole nine yards and you sit down and your mind is blown.
1: Yeah. You're really in there. It's the scale, too. The scale, you know, mm-hmm. it's big enough to fit six people. So it's bigger than the actual cockpit on the Millennium Falcon in the films. But the windshield feels the right size. You know, you just mm-hmm. you are in the film. It is. So overwhelming the first time you do it, if you're us, (laughs) you know, if if you're one of us or likely one of you that's listening to this, when you get in it the first time, you're just like, this can't be fucking real. This can't be real.
0: I was personally like immediately almost like overwhelmed with anxiety. Like, oh my God, I'm not going to be in here long enough to enjoy this enough. I need to stay in here all night. How do I fucking hide in here?
1: (laughs) Well, the word on the street is the worse you do on your mission, the longer you get to ride it. Yeah. So which we Um, figured out the
0: first couple of times we blew it.
1: Yeah. So if you happen to get a third grader piloting the ship, you're going to get to ride it longer. Right.
0: (laughs) So we won't spoil the actual kind of storyline of the game because it's a game really, but you have two pilots. So one does the up and down control. The other does the left and right. So you really kind of have to work together. I got the vibe that
1: the left and right control was a little touchier, a little harder to do. Did you agree? I know, you know what? I like this is why we podcast, man. I actually find that I'm worse at the up down oh, yeah. than the than the left right. And I've ridden it a bunch of times now. So the right pilot gets to control the hyperdrive, which is super sick. Cause yeah. you just reach up and you just pull the handle back and it's that's it. You're doing it. Uh, the gunners, I, I figured out after a few times riding, you actually if you it's hard to pay attention to it all because you're looking again. If you're us, you just want to look at the windshield. You just right. want to look at that and go, That's this is it. This is real. And I'm really in this thing, and it looked so, but if you actually pay attention to your job in the game, and again, no spoilers, you're just looking at the controls and stuff, you actually can choose manual or uh, assisted aiming as a gunner as well. So, like I'm not really exactly sure what the difference is because I've always piloted way more. like again, I've just gotten super lucky to get up front Same. and be pilot. But you know what? I will say this, you know that, that age old thing of like, You maybe you get upgraded for your flight or something and you see like, uh, you know, like a little lady or someone walk by. You're like, I should give them my seat. It's someone's comedy bit. I think it might be Louis C.K., but I guess we're not allowed to talk about Louis C.K. anymore. So because he likes to show his penis to people. Either way, there's a bit about like I should give and then no, I don't ever. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I have actually said to like a a kid in line, like, have you gotten to pilot yet? And given him my pilot card for one of the rides. Well, because it's a hot tip for Galaxy's Edge. It's really far back in the park at Disneyland. I haven't been to Disney World yet to Magic Kingdom, but at Disneyland, it's in the far back corner of the park. Later in the evening, people are up front for the parade on Main Street. They want to get a good spot for the fireworks, whatever else it is. The wait time on Smuggler's Run on a weekend night goes down to like 15 minutes. You can literally just ride it over and over and over again. So I've been in that situation where I've, you know, you get to talking to people. That's one of the cool things about the group of 6 is that you get to meet people who are there. And just talk about Star Wars. It's awesome. But, you know, I've been chatting. I'm like, have you guys been on it today? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, here a little man. You should pilot, you know, and it's a good feeling to do too. But advice is definitely try to be at Disneyland or Disney World with a group of six people or more. Yeah. Because if you can get all six of you on a few times so that you get the rhythm of it, which leads you to, I'll, Adam, I'll let you explain the little special Easter egg that even when a cast member said he would do it for us, failed. Uh, but it is real. I'll let you tell. Uh, but if you have six people and you can rehearse that, like before you go, we're talking about a real specific level of nerd here, but you could do like a dry run, you know, Be like, all right, you go, you go, you know, but yeah. tell us about the Easter egg.
0: So there's a mode in the game essentially called Chewy mode, which puts Chewy on the intercom instead of this dude, Hondo, who kind of guides you through the mission. So he's telling you left pilot, hit the boost, uh, right pilot, jump to light speed, gunner, do this, whatever. He's guiding you. Even though the buttons are lighting up, he's letting you know, hey, hit that flashing button, do this, do that. You can enable Chewy mode instead where you just get Chewy over the intercom and just yelling at you in Wookiee roars and you just have to figure it out. We didn't do it. We couldn't do it. We couldn't fucking nail it. But basically it's like a Konami code kind of thing where you have to hit certain buttons before the cast member activates the ride. We'll give you the rundown here so you guys can try it. You essentially have to before you press your green button that says, I'm ready to go, you have to hold something else. So if you're a pilot, you have to pull the stick to one direction and then hit the green button. doesn't matter which stick you're on. You just pull it one direction or the other, almost like holding a shift key on your keyboard to do like a capital letter. And then in the engineering gunner seats, you hold down a white button while you press the green. So just like you would hold shift and hit A for capital A, hold down a white button, then hit the green one. And if each seat does that, Supposedly, it doesn't have to be in a specific order, but just for good measure, start with the pilots in the front. That should activate Chewy mode. Like Ryan said, the dude actually came in and did it for us, but on this one ride, because we were late, we only had five in there, and it switched one of the seats into auto mode, which essentially canceled it out, is my understanding. Because he came in, he's like, he overheard us, and he's like, no, I got you, here you go, bam, 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 did the whole thing, (laughs) like the trailer
1: of the solo movie, just hit all the controls. His vibe was kind of like, uh, okay, another group of old men that think they can do chewy mode. (laughs) Here it is. Get out of my fucking hair. (laughs) Here it is, you old dorks. But it didn't work.
0: It didn't make it any less fun because it was still amazing, but it would have been cool to get that. Isn't there a YouTube video or something that explains how to do it? There is. You should find it and put it in the show notes. Good call. So regardless, it was fucking awesome. I wrote it How many times times did we write it? Eight times? Because I did four the day
1: before you were there. And we did it for that day, the second day yeah. as well.
0: Well, shit, then maybe more. Because the third day, we wrote it a couple times. I may have <laughs> ridden it 10 times.
1: I wrote it three times on Sunday. So I got I to be close to 10 over the course of my time at Galaxy's Edge as well. The point
0: is, it doesn't get old. No. If you can keep going through, you will go through again.
1: Yeah, and there's different, you know, you get to do different things on the ride. It's so interactive. So, and you do score points. That's, I mean, that's. Yeah, you That's get a score the thing. You. So if you start paying attention to it, which again, like we said, is kind of hard to do at first because you're so overwhelmed by the experience itself. Once you do it a bunch of times, you can start to be like, okay, this is a game and it has a high score yeah. and I, I want to hit it so you can get better at your job. Even if everybody else sucks on the flight at their job you or you know, on the mission, you still get your points right. for what you did as a participant. So super fun. The other ride, which we did not ride 10 times each, but I did three.
0: Is Rise of the Resistance. This ride was delayed. It opened later. It's the marquee ride for good reason because I th- I feel like it's the best ride of all time, maybe. I think I can say that confidently. You're not wrong. <laughs> but also to call it just call it a ride doesn't really do it justice.
1: It's an experience. Yeah. As is Smuggler's Run. Like everything we just mentioned leads into yeah. this ride perfectly because the line is is interactive. Yeah. There's two different sections where you're, you're interacting with the story before you board the ride, which is then more than a ride. You're inside of the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. So this is the same vibe of, it's just from start to finish. You're overwhelmed by how immersive it is. Leading in, you're sort of in these
0: underground tunnels, kind of resistance base kind of thing. And then you end up boarding a shuttle. You end up getting out of that, going into another area, getting into this car, which is, kind of like a standard Disney ride kind of car, like an open top kind of thing. It's got a droid in it and you run through an entire different section. We won't spoil any of this because it's just, you got to do it.
1: You got to do it. The car. Don't watch things on YouTube. Just do it. The car itself, although it is your standard three in the front, three in the middle, three in the back, or however many people fit on the car, it's not standard Disney and that open floor plan kind of vibe. So whatever. Yeah is directing these things to move around. They're not on tracks. There's nothing on the floor. The floor looks like the shiny, glossy, black floor of a Star Destroyer. Like the first time you see inside a Star Destroyer
0: in Empire when Palpatine shows up. The
1: shiny, black, glossy, reflective floor on like the bridge of a Star Destroyer throughout the ride. So it's like you're sliding around on it. You don't even know how because there's no tracks. I mean, it's insane. The visuals are insane. The like suspension of disbelief that you're actually in this thing. The cast members on the ride are completely immersed in character and are basically acting, you know, in front of you. And it honestly, that's one thing that I would say was a little jarring because you just your brain has to get used to it, that these people aren't just directing traffic. They're part of the story and part of the ride. It's like one of those crazy, you know, secret spooky hotel things in New York where you have to sign a waiver because people are allowed to like grab you and take your clothes off and whatever else (laughs) they do at the eyes wide shut parties in New York. You know what I mean? You you have to get used to like, okay, this is, I know this is a Disney cast member, but in full first order uniform, giving me orders, you know, it's so awesome. That
0: being said, it is hard to know when they are or aren't in character as I learned when I... Oh yeah, this is great. This is great. I got in trouble. So busted i'll tell a quick story about something that sucked and then something that was awesome the thing that sucked is the first time i rode the thing the day before ryan got there there was a dude who was just for sure in his 30s late 30s maybe acting like a complete adolescent little asshole and had his wife or his girlfriend they had kids with them too had her filming on her phone with the light on in there all up in the face of the cast member's being a complete ass bag and then he ended up being in the seats right in front of my friends and me and had his phone out with the light on through the whole thing filming and there's a droid in the car in front of you so the light was like reflecting off of that I could see it reflecting off of the screens projecting all the stuff it was just really fucking up our vibe and I was like right away was like man please put down that phone please and he was kind of just ignoring me and then my friend's fiance next to me was like sir please you're ruining our experience please. And he's like, you're ruining my experience and fully like just came back at us. And it got to the point where I was like cussing at the dude. She was cussing at the dude. You cuss? I say curse words. And I was just like, you are such a motherfucker. I can't believe you right now. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. It was so bad because he was just like taunting us almost. His kid actually put her phone down because she was like, oh yeah, this is rude. It just, it, it, it really kind of fucked up the first go around. So we got off the ride, went straight to a cast member and started telling them what happened. And they actually said to us right away, they're like, yeah, when you got off, we knew something was wrong because we could see it on your faces. It's not the usual surprise and delight that we see <laughs> from people. So yeah, they sent us back through, got to do it again right after, which worked out. I'm not bummed, ultimately. It's a good story.
1: Well, the reason you're not bummed is because we should say in sort of backwards order, the way you get on this ride and you can only do it once a day for now. It was the same way when Galaxy's Edge opened and Smuggler's Run was the only ride, at least in Disneyland. And I think you are right that both rides were open in Orlando when it opened, but you have to get to the park at six o'clock in the morning because you have to be in line to get through the gate to hit board or join a boarding group on the Disneyland app, Walt Disney World app, whichever park you're at, to get into a boarding group that they then call throughout the day to tell you it's time to get on. So yeah, you were like, Cool, bro. I waited all fucking day to get in this still. Hour long line or 45 yeah. minute line or whatever with my boarding group. And now that's it. That's it. I'm out. I don't get to ride it again. I would have been pissed too. But we got lucky and they helped us out. So we went back through, and
0: there's a lot of stuff you can touch. There are a lot of buttons everywhere in the whole park. And they encourage you to kind of touch things and play with things. And everything looks so real that it's sometimes hard to know what's actually <laughs> a part of the experience and what's something that's used kind of behind the scenes, essentially. Because there are games, like we talked about, where you're like sort of hacking, I'm using air quotes, hacking like control panels on walls and stuff, and you go around to different things, and it's that immersive. So while you're standing there, you can just kind of press buttons on stuff. Some of them work, some of them don't. I, as we were getting into kind of like the second or third little area, pressed a big red button. Right as I pressed it, I was like, I haven't pressed one like that yet. <laughs> I, hope, I hope this is okay. Okay. And as I did it, I heard and realized as I was coming through that that was actually the button for the door itself to close that area. And I was like, oh shit. I kind of went in turned around. And then one of the cast members came in again, fully in uniform, in character. I thought in character, a first order uniform. They said, you come with us. I got pulled out for a split second. I was like, did I just get invited into some bonus shit? Right. Did I just like discover an Easter egg?
1: Also very like creepy hotel experience where like yeah. someone might come get you and take you from your group. Like those, yeah. those haunted house type things they do, you know?
0: And the door shut behind me, ride went on without me. They pulled me to a little side room. It was this woman and a guy following her. And she said, did you press a button? And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. You know, thinking <laughs> she's in character, you know, just kind of trying to respond like a you know rebel scum that was in trouble. And she said, why did you do that? And then the guy walked up right next to her and I was like, I don't know, ma'am. I'm, I'm very sorry. And she said, I know there are a lot of buttons that you can press in this place, but some of them mess up our process. And I, at that moment went, oh my God, you're not in character. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I had no idea. I would never, I'm so sorry. And she was like really visibly annoyed. And the dude, same, but I think he took a little more sympathy. He kind of got it, but I just kept apologizing up and down and they were like, okay, fine. Well." You're going to miss this part of the ride because it's already moving. We're going to put you back with your group in this next little place. So I only missed one room, which I had already been through. And they put me back in the little car. And I, I did the rest of the thing. For a second, I was super bummed because I thought I was going to miss the whole ride. But then once I was back in, I was like, oh, shit. I just made my own Easter egg. Right. right. I, I really felt like I was getting in trouble with the first order. And then I, they put me back in the thing. And it was
1: honestly like more, more fun because of it. And then you got to ride it sans... Ass bag with his phone and flash. Correct. Come on, people. Be better. Just be better. Please. So that was cool. It's hard to talk about Rise of Resistance, the ride, to you all without spoiling it because we can't really get across how unbelievable it is without telling you what happens in it, which would just be a real dick move. Yeah. So take our word for it that getting to the park really early in the morning and dealing with all that bullshit to get on a boarding group. It's so worth it. So pro tip to get on the ride in the morning, you get there really early. It's a real pain in the ass. You get through security, you get on the tram, you get over there. They, if, if the park opens at nine at Disneyland, they open the gates an hour before. So if it opens at eight, they open the gates at seven. That's the real pain in the ass days. On like Saturday, Sundays, you actually have to be there at like six o'clock in the morning. So you get in line, you get through the gate. You can't go on any rides for an hour, but you get through and you wait that whole hour. Let's say For this purpose, it's opening at 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, the boarding groups open for Rise of the Resistance. So what you're going to want to do is have your Disneyland app ready, not open, just like the icon on your phone, ready. Like you're looking at the actual app icon, watching the timer on someone else's phone. So you want to watch someone's phone going 857, 58, 59. At 9 o'clock, you want to open the app, hit find out more which is the first thing you'll see at the top. So when you open the app in Disneyland, the first thing you'll see at the top is Star Wars Rise of the Resistance accessed by boarding group. You can't miss it. And right under it, there's a button that says find out more. So as soon as your friend's phone hits nine o'clock, open the app, hit find out more, and then the next button is join boarding group. That's the best way to do it because it's not trying to backlog. It's not trying to like log back in or reconnect. You're just starting fresh right at nine. And you do have about, what do you think, Adam? I think you have about 10 seconds. Yeah. And that's a way shorter than 10 second process if you do it right on the spot.
0: Granted, you do want to be signed into the app like beforehand at some point, so you don't have to do the sign in thing. But as you're getting ready, ah. close out the app, be back at the home screen ready to open it because it will refresh for sure when you open it that way rather than sitting in the app trying to get it to refresh.
1: Right. So everything I said, just make sure you've signed into your Disney account on the app before you then close the app, reopen it right at nine o'clock. Correct. It seems like a lot, but dude, like you said, it goes so fast and you hear people and everyone's cheering. cheering. Yeah, It's awesome.
0: Like also right before 10 seconds to go, whatever, you start to hear alarms going off. Everyone's preparing. It's like the whole place just hushes for a second. And then
1: it's like bingo. It's like old ladies yelling from the fucking other side. I got it. (laughs) At some point, if you have the patience, they will go to a normal line for the ride. Right. And I don't think it's actually going to be that much longer. I feel like the Smuggers Run one was like three three months, three or four months, mm-hmm. something like that. And this opened in November, December. So yeah. I don't imagine it will be much longer before you can just go and wait in a three-and-a-half-hour-long line to ride the ride. <laughs> right. Personally, I prefer the complicated app closing and opening. It's just getting there early in the morning. The lines are still going to be ridiculous. But yeah. no matter what your, your method of getting on this thing is, if you're a fan of rides, it's going to blow your mind. If you're a fan of Star Wars and a fan of rides, it's the single greatest amusement park ride ever built. Real talk. Period. It's hard to follow that, but tell us some more stuff. Well, I think there was one less little tidbit we didn't really get into. The characters around the park. It's the best they've ever done with that as well, because from my earliest childhood memories of going to Disney World, I grew up in Florida, so I went to Disney World all the time. Spoiled rotten. But, you know, you go... To like the character breakfast on the on the steamboat thing, the steamboat breakfast, or whatever they called it, and you know Mickey comes over, but he doesn 't say, Oh hi, he just comes right. over in costume well at galaxy 's edge you 're cruising around, and oh hey dude, look um there 's Chewbacca, and then Chewbacca walks over and just has a conversation with you, and it 's mind numbingly amazing. And he's like super stoked to take pictures with everyone. I have a quick little Chewbacca story. The first time I went, we were leaving because it was like time to go home. So we were walking out and there was no one there. It was, it was a ghost town. So we're walking out. And one of the friends I was there with was like, dude, look, look. And so Chewie's walking down the sidewalk kind of behind us with, they have like a handler, the characters. Chewie has a handler. Ray has a handler. Kylo Ren has a handler, just a cast member that kind of like manages the people that are trying to bum rush them for photos and stuff. So it's just Chewie and the cast member walking with him. And I'm like, oh, I got to get a picture. So I go over there and I go with my phone in like selfie mode to take a photo with him. And it's just pitch black. You can't see anything. So he does like, you know, he does like huge wookie growl, puts me in a headlock basically and drags me over under a light. And then like lifts my arm up with my phone and it's like super well lit and I take the photo. So it's just, they're so stoked to make people have a good experience or to make sure people are having a good experience, I should say. So that was incredible. And then Adam, you and I had a really awesome experience with these same two dudes that were first order troopers. I think we had seen them probably a couple times throughout the day because we had like taken photos with them and kind of done the thing. And then like an hour later, it was when we were on our like two hour long photo, like we're star Wars influencers. Yeah. Lightsaber photo shoot. And so we're walking around and these dudes roll up and literally are like you again. (laughs) Literally you know, said and, that. And we're like, oh, we're sorry, dudes. And they start asking about our allegiance to the First Order and all this stuff. And, and then, you know, and they realize like, okay, whatever. These guys are 40. They don't – okay, we're moving on. So they kind of walk away and um, they got this whole little crew of little kids and stuff and their parents around them or whatever. And we're back to the photo shoot, right? So we're like posing and I'm looking over. And this one of these dudes is literally just dogging, like dogging us, staring straight at us, shaking his head for like a full 30 seconds. Just nope, nope, (laughs) nope. Not not having it. Nope. Deadpan. It's just that kind of stuff where the cast members that are in costume and a part of this, I think they realize how special this is to to be walking around in an actual stormtrooper costume with a stormtrooper blaster and the reaction that, especially young people. I mean, dude, if nothing else, go to Galaxy's Edge to watch little kids see Star Wars in real life because that's an experience you and I never had as a kid, and I can't even imagine it. I posted something. From my trip on Sunday when I was just hanging out with R2-D2, you know, who was super pissed about my sweatshirt. And I posted just something like, my 10-year-old brain would have exploded because it's really R2-D2. They, It's all coded. Someone's operating it, you know, remotely yeah. somehow or something. Because when he gets cues, you know, he reacts and he beeps in certain ways. And he, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but the coolest thing, the R2 thing that happened, and I guess I'll leave it here, but the idea is... There are characters everywhere. Phasma was there. Kylo Ren is there. Ray, there's Ray lookalikes, and and they're so they're all super cool, and they will take photos with you all day and all night. They're not bothered at all, and they're super in character, and it's awesome. But R two is doing this thing with this little kid, and there's a cast member with him, you know, in full Batu get up that tells us everybody, we're on a mission, we can't really stop, we're on a mission. But eventually they stop, and this little kid is in front of him, and he's like, all right, everyone stay still because R two has to scan you guys. He has to scan everyone, and so R two kind of starts scanning and. He stops on this one kid and he does that super, the same thing he did with my sweatshirt. He does the super high, like one, you know, and the little kid's like just blown away. Just like, oh my God, everyone's looking at me and R2-D2 is right in front of me or whatever. And the guy's like, okay, R2 thinks that you, sorry, what R2? You know, he listens to him and he's like, okay, okay. He thinks you might have a first order scanner on you. Have you been close to any first order troopers or anyone in the first order? And the kid's like, no. And he's like, all right, we're going to need you to make sure. So we got to get it off of you. So he's like, shake your hands. So the kid starts shaking his hands, you know, and he's like, all right, now shake, you got to kind of shake your body too. And so he starts shaking his body. He's like, all right, you got to kind of jump up and down, like move, shake your feet, jump up and down. So he starts shaking and he's like, all right, no, it's not coming out yet. It might be in your hair though. So start shaking your head. So now this little kid is like jumping around like a maniac and he goes, okay, what, uh, sorry, what are and he, two? And he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you can stop. He just wanted to see you dancing. <laughs> Basically it was the whole bit, you know, and it's just like, I just don't know that there's ever been anything, even at Disneyland, that's, that's quite that, as we keep using the word, immersive. So if you're, you know, you don't feel like waiting in line for an hour, you can just walk around Black Spire and experience the characters while you have a thermal detonator shaped Coca-Cola. It is
0: just, right. it's just unbelievable. Yeah, man. I was bummed to leave. I could have spent
1: a full week there every day, but it's all good because we'll be back. You'll be back before me again. And again, <laughs> I will, I will, but also I'm, I haven't done any research to find out the differences. So I'm, I'm, I would assume it's virtually identical, but because we are us, we also have to go to Florida and go there just because we have to do that. I have to be thorough. It's our responsibility. Well, you know what, if not before then, um, when we figure out how in the hell we're going to afford to get into the hotel, the star Wars hotel, which is a galactic star cruiser pleasure cruise ship. That's going to make a stop at Batu and let you out for the day. We'll I'm sure do an entire We'll do like a two-part episode on that when it comes to it, but that will be our trip to Florida for sure. But yeah, I'm definitely going to be back as soon as humanly possible, virus allowing.
0: So final thoughts, uh, did we like it? Did we enjoy it or not?
1: (laughs) Expectations met or exceeded. Expectations detonated. Yeah, yeah. There aren't aren't many things, many experiences that I've had in my life that I, I think I would recommend higher than this one. Yeah, agreed. It's so sick. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. We went long in this
0: one. We started trying to do a one-quarter portion, but it's a full-ass portion. So I hope you enjoyed. We, we're, despite it being a full-ish episode, we're not going to do the rest of the segments. So we'll just wrap it up. We're going to call this 60 Portions. But let's go ahead and do a quote anyway. A quote chosen uh, by my boy Bill Key here. A quote by Walt Disney, the late, great, the founder. Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there's imagination left in the world.
1: Fucking A. That's what I want to hear. And when you go experience Galaxy's Edge, imagination is the best word. Because even at our age, even being born in the 1970s, we can still go there right now and be overwhelmed with imagination and feel like we are completely immersed in an alternate galaxy. Totally. It's really special. So thanks for hanging with us, you guys, and letting us give you a little nerdy rundown of our three-day theme park extravaganza good times.
0: Tell these folks where they can find you on the socials to wrap it up here. You can find me everywhere
1: on the interwebs at William Ryan key. You can find me on also the interwebs at Adam, the skull. If you're looking for the podcast on the nets, you can find us on Instagram at thank the maker pod. I'd like to just also do a little tidbit before I go. Thank you guys. More than I can find words for the growth that's happening on our Instagram page. We gained almost a thousand followers in a week's time from our trip to Galaxy's Edge. So it was not only exciting and encouraging for us to just keep pushing out content because I know that's what drove it up. But we recognize and appreciate your support so much because we feel like our little gigs catch it on maybe. And it's a really, really cool feeling. So think the maker pod on Instagram at thank the maker one. It's just the number one on Twitter. And we would also be stoked for you to get involved in the community that is providing us with listener-generated content, questions for Test Bay 94 quotes of the week, ideas, questions you have for us, not Star Wars-related, things we can just hit on the show, ideas for segments, ideas for shows and topics you want to hear about. You can go to patreon.com slash thinkthemakerpod and uh, sign up there and help us keep this thing going and give us your thoughts and questions and all that good stuff. So. Thank you guys so much for the support. We're really feeling like we're getting something good going here. Truly. Until next week, I'm Adam Russell. And I'm Bill Key.
0: And may the force be with you.